are excited to have Pastor Michael come and share this morning. He's going to be sharing from Psalm 73. Uh, so would you welcome him as he comes to preach this morning? Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here this morning. Amen. Um, before we move on, I wanted to acknowledge each of you who are here this morning. And... Uh, just honor you for being here at church this morning. And uh, the psalm that we're going to be going through this, this morning talks about, touches on that just a little bit. But uh, it is so important that we, as the people of God, gather together, right? And uh, that doesn't mean that it's always easy to get here. It doesn't mean that it's always easy to show up. And uh, so I just want to honor you for being here this morning. Maybe you had a hard morning like me. I was got in my truck and started driving here, and it was like, oh, no gas. Okay. <laughs> got to stop at the gas station. I don't have time for that. And I didn't have time to eat breakfast at home, so I'm eating, eating my bagel in the truck. And then butter dripped all over my pants on the way here because you got to have that bagel dripping with butter. Um, and... You have, there is no other way, you're right, there is right, if it's not dripping, I don't want it. Um, whatever, you, oftentimes we, we come into a bit of a challenge getting here, and uh, so I just want to honor you each for being here. It's so important that we come together as God's people and hear his truth and um, are just challenged by each other, and so thank you for being here. And um, so as I've been thinking about this message... Um, over the last month, just thinking about what I'm going to preach on, what I'm going to talk on, just kind of waiting for the, waiting for the revy drop to come from the Lord. When's it coming, God? Still waiting on it. When's it going to come? And uh, just this week, I was kind of thinking about as I'm, as I'm in, the, in my truck driving to and from work, okay, God, uh, what's the direction you want to go with this? And as I've, as I've read through it and studied it, I, I love the content, God, but what do you, what do you have to say? And um, I'm driving home on Thursday, and uh, I come up to... Uh, come up to some, some construction work. And uh, construction work means that there's going to be, be a little bit of traffic jam going on, right? And so here comes the one of the most controversial things for us as Minnesotans is the zipper merge, right? The zipper merge. We're all Christians until it comes to the zipper merge. And I'm on Highway 7... <laughs> And I kind of float between which lane I take. You know, uh, sometimes I'm like, hey, it's the zipper merge. I'm getting to the front. And other times I'm like, ah, I'm going to just camp out here in the left lane and, and, you know, do my duty here in the left lane. And uh, so Thursday I was just rolling up in the left lane. And, and as I'm in this long line of traffic, uh, I begin to notice in my mirrors the lady behind me begins to do the do the old block the right lane by riding right in the middle, you know? Uh, raise your hand if you've done that. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I, I've done it a time or two. There is a little bit of a rush to it. <laughs> I'm controlling the road. <laughs> um, protect and serve. Um, she starts to, to ride between the, the middle lane, you know, blocking people off and having a little bit of success. And some people are like, yeah, right, I'm not having this. I'm just going to blast right around you on the shoulder. And so as she's doing this, I'm kind of watching it. And it's just kind of funny to, to see this lady doing this. And uh, is, there, is anybody here this morning named Karen? Sir, are there any Karens in the room? If there's no Karens here this morning, I'm just going to say she was a Karen. <laughs> Um, and so after a while, she kind of realized, okay, this tactic isn't working. People are able to use the shoulder to get by me. 
And so she went back to the left lane and she decided to change tactics, which was to ride as close to my car as possible so that no one would be able to merge in between me and her. Nobody's getting in front of her car. They might get ahead of her, but they are not getting in front of her car. And uh, as cars continue to, to drive past us in the right lane, every car that passes, she's visibly upset that they're not getting in the left lane a mile behind the merge. And um, I'm just kind of laughing. It's like, this is comical, like, because I've, I've been that person. <laughs> and uh, as we get up to the nearing the end of the merge, and we're all just about down into one lane, I take one glass glance in the mirror. And hanging from her rearview mirror is a cross. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. That is just too good, too good. Um, and so you just might say, okay, what does the zipper merge have to do with our passage this morning? Um, this morning's passage is talking about looking at the wicked, looking at the evil, looking at the worldly, and wondering, man, why, why do they get ahead? Sometimes as Christians, we're, uh, we can be camping out in the left lane saying, hey, I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing everything that God is calling me to do but I, I see the wicked flying by me in the right lane. They're getting to the front of the merge. They're getting, they're getting uh, better things in life than I am. And, and as our passage talks about this morning, we can be tempted to become envious of that. And um, I, I would like to clarify, I don't think there's really any spiritual uh, implications for doing or not doing the zipper merge, so carry on with your uh, commuting habits as, as necessary. Um, just don't be a Karen. <laughs> uh, either get to the front or don't. Um, as Christians, we're called to live differently than the world. God has a specific set of uh, guidelines that he's laid out in his word for us. Spe a specific way for us to commute through life. A specific way for us to merge into eternity. And and so our lifestyle, our morals, our values, our pursuits, and, and our eyes are all fixed on something different than where the world is fixed on. Um, and so ultimately, we're, we're here to spend this time on earth anticipating heaven, not just anticipating getting up to the merge as quick as we can, not just getting up to the best spot in line here on earth, but to spend this time on earth looking forward to eternity. And so this can become a challenge for us in our life because everyone around us is not doing the same thing. We see others around us maybe getting better things in life, ending up in a better spot in life, having a better position in life than we, would, uh, than we find ourselves in. And we begin to question, okay, God, I feel like I'm living the way you've called Christians to live in your word. And... And it says in your word that, that I'll be blessed for doing that. But what happens when I'm not seeing the blessing in the moment? What happens when it seems like the wicked are, are being blessed? And so that's where our, our challenge comes as believers this morning as we go through this psalm. And uh, this is a, a really, really good piece of wisdom for us to receive this morning. And um, probably not a whole lot of it is going to be like super new and like crazy for us. 
But as Christians, we just need these subtle, continual reminders in our life to continue on the path of blessing and continue into the way that God has called us to live. So I just want to pray for us this morning. And then we're going to read our, read our passage. So, God, we just come to you. We're thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful that you have given us um, all that we need to um, live for you. God, you've given us the instructions here in your word. And uh, in here we can find peace and comfort and direction and all that we need. So, God, I just pray that as we hear your word this morning, God, one, that we would, we would just deal carefully with it. God, that we would handle your word with care and, and we would... We would have an incredible value for what you're saying to us this morning. And God, that we would, we would leave um, transformed this morning by your words, that, that we could just become a little bit more like your son this morning, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to just read through the whole psalm here. Psalm 73, it's going to be on the screen, as well as if you want to follow along in your Bibles. It says... Uh, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people will turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So this psalm was written by a guy named Asaph, and from my understanding, he wrote maybe 10 psalms in the book of Psalms out of the 150. And uh, there's not a ton that we know about him, but we know that he was, he was a Levite, so he was of the priestly order. He served in the temple. Um, he was a worship leader and a prophet during the time of David, King David. And um, 
being a Levite, the Levites were the ones who served in the temple. They were one of the tribes of Israel, and they had been given the special duty of serving um, in, in the temple. And, and sometimes when we think of the, the, the Levites or the priests and those serving in the temple, we're like, man, what an what a awesome job. Like, they get to serve God, like, as priests and, like, do all the cool stuff that they did in the temple. Um, but I, I was reading, uh, and I said, it said that most of the Levites, now some of them, like the higher-ups, they performed the sacrifices and did all the, did the thing in the Holy of Holies and, and all that. But most of them, uh, they just kind of served in background roles. So they, were, they, they played music, they opened and closed the gates, uh, they stood guard. Um, and in the case of when the, when the tabernacle was portable before the, the temple was built, um, they were responsible for packing up, transporting, and reconstructing the temple wherever the Israelites traveled to a new camp. So this guy who's writing this is kind of just like your classic run-of-the-mill showing up every Sunday, every Wednesday to open and close the church and to clean it. And like he's just your sold-out volunteer. Um, and he makes this statement in verse 1. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And there's this sentiment with that word, surely, that there's some, been some experience there. Surely God is good to Israel. I, I've seen that. I, I've read about it. I, I know that. Um, it's a proven fact because I have experienced that in my life. And I would say this is probably something that most of us in this room would probably be, be able to say this morning. Surely God is good. I have, I have seen that. I've, I've been here long enough. I've experienced uh, him enough to be able to agree with that statement. Surely God is good to his people. He's good to those who follow him. Um, intellectual, this, is, this statement is almost a little bit intellectual. I, be, I believe that in my mind. Um, and yet... He goes on to verse 2 and he says, but as for me. So God is good to Israel. That's what the church believes, right? That's what the church proclaims. That's what us in this room have experienced. But as for me, I almost slipped. I almost didn't believe that. I almost gave up on that thought. I almost lost my foothold. The Bible says that God is our firm foundation. We sang about that this morning that our feet can be solid on God's word and, and on the foundation that he gives us. But Asaph says, I, I believe that, but I almost, I almost slipped off that foundation. Why did I almost slip off that? How did I almost slip off? It was when I envied the arrogant, when I envied those who don't follow God, those who are, are not saved, they're, he, he calls them the wicked. I envied the arrogant when I saw their prosperity. And so... First point for the morning is don't envy the world. Don't envy the world. And that's probably um, one of the simplest things we as Christians can do is to not envy the world. And yet is probably something that every one of us struggle with on a somewhat continual basis in one fashion or another. Don't envy the world. Um, this word envy, it's a feeling of discontentment or resentful longing because of someone else's possessions, their qualities, or their luck. And so when we envy the world, when we look at what 
what the world has, what, what the unsaved have, what other people have, we, we begin to be discontent with our life. We become resentful. Why don't I have that? Why haven't I been, been given that? And so Asaph says that he envied the arrogant, those who are far from God, and they don't see a need for him. And he envied them because of their prosperity. So it seemed to him that they had a better life than he did. He apparent, he, it says that he envied their apparent lack of problems. He said, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens, and they're not plagued by human ills. So he looks at them, and he goes, man, their life just seems perfect. Like, they just don't really seem to have any problems. They're never sick. They, they, they have no worries. And somehow they've, they've gotten the cheat code to life to not have any problems. And we know that this is a illogical assumption to come to, but we probably have all fallen into this assumption at one time or another. Um, as he is the guy who's showing up and opening and closing the temple, he's showing up to play his, his ten-string lyre for, you know, the morning sacrifices. He's um, the guy who's in charge of packing up all the totes with all of the holy stuff in it and carrying it to the next location. He's like, man, I just feel like I'm giving it all to God. Like, I'm just showing up and doing the dirty work. And look at these people over there. They don't even care about God's temple. They don't even care about God's law. They don't care about the work of God. And man, they're just living it up. And so it it may seem that as we follow God and, and as we serve him and sometimes don't see what we think that we should be getting, we can become envious. Um, he envied how they didn't let anybody get in their way. He envied how people looked up to them. He envied that they don't seem to have any cares and he envied, envied them for having tons of wealth. It says that they were always free of care, and they just go on amassing wealth. Um, <clears throat> which, again, is an illogical uh, assumption to come to, because not, not every unsaved person is, uh, is super rich. Um, <laughs> at least not all the ones that I know. <laughs> I know plenty of poor, unsaved people. Um, <laughs> and so, in verse 13, he says, Surely, again, he says, surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. Is, is everything that I've done, is this in vain? Like, choosing to follow God's word and, and live according to his law, is that all just in vain? Surely it is, because clearly all the wicked are having a super awesome life, and I'm here packing up these boxes of bricks and golden things. So he's going, am I missing out? And I think we've probably, I, I've said that so many times in my life as a believer. God, am I, man, am I missing out on something in life? Is there something that I'm, that I'm foregoing by following Jesus? And um, I think some of the wisdom that Asaph is giving to us this morning is um, later on he kind of solves the equation here. But there is nothing to be envied of those who are far from God. 
So there's nothing that I, as a, as a Christian, have to envy about someone who is, is far from God. And that is a truth that we need to rest in. Um, because we, it's not a matter of looking at the possessions that someone has or looking at the situation that they have and comparing our situations because the situation is, is not even the same. They're in this short-term, maybe awesome position. I'm in this long-term awesome position. And so for me to look at them and say, man, I just, I envy that. Why don't I have that? Why, why am I not receiving that? Envying their temporary satisfaction, envying the, the short-term benefits that you may find in this life are nothing to be envied in comparison to what we have in Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, it is a pitiful thing for an heir of heaven, so a child of God. It is a pitiful thing that an heir of heaven should have to confess, I was envious. But worse still, that he should have to put it, I was envious of the foolish. And so, there's nothing to be envied about those who are far from God. Asaph says that he envied their prosperity, all that they had, all they had accomplished, all their popularity. And my question is, what prosperity is that if you don't have God in your life? Um, it's only worldly prosperity. And I think in the, that has been infiltrated into the church in a few ways, that godly prosperity is going to look like earthly prosperity. And, and that's where, and God wants to bless us. In his word, he says, follow me and you will be blessed. You will be prosperous. It says that he wants to prosper those who follow him. But the prosperity that he wants to give to us is not totally going to look like the prosperity of the world. And so when we think that following God is going to make us wealthy in a monetary sense, uh, we very, we, we very may well, we might come up short on that. <laughs> we, might not, we might not see that, right? And then we'll go, has, has this been in vain? Has this been in vain that I have kept my heart pure because I'm not seeing prosperity in my life? And so he says, I envy their prosperity, but it's only worldly prosperity. Um, earthly gain apart from God is, is ultimately worthless. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so really, the gospel is kind of calling us away from earthly gain. That earthly gain is, is of very little value to us apart from, it's of no value apart from God. But even in our life as Christians, it is of, of very small value to us. And so we may be envious of celebrities. We may be envious of our neighbor. We may be envious of a stranger that we see. And um, whatever we see in that person's life that may be enticing to us, 
we need to stand on this rock solid truth that um, it's nothing in comparison to what we have in Christ Jesus. And if you find yourself asking yourself the question, man, is this all in vain? To repeat that answer to your soul, no, this is not in vain. No, I have not kept my heart pure in vain. I have not followed God in vain. And the world wants to look at the values that God has called us to live by and say, man, that's, that's kind of uh, in vain. You're, you're missing out. Um, a few things that come to mind would be for the single person to, to um, wait for sex until marriage. And the world says, that's foolish. How are you going to know if you love them? That's foolish. How are you going to know if you're compatible? And yet God says, no, that's the way that I'm calling you to live. Um, and so there's an example that's going to hit every single person in this room that's going to be personal to you. And I, I can't hit that for you. But um, when we find ourselves asking that question, have I lived all this in vain? The answer is no. Repeat that to your soul. And, um, and that is the truth that is found in God's word. Um, and the gospel promises actually a lot of hardship and a lot of challenges. Be, and it's because we are living in opposition to the world. We are living, the world has its own code book. And it's basically whatever you want to do, whatever feels right to you. And so as a believer, we are walking in opposition to that. And so walking upstream is going to be a challenge and it's going to be faced with um, difficulties. And so we may be going through a temporary suffering. You may be going through a temporary challenge or a temporary hardship. But it's in preparation for something that is better and something that is eternal. So... Don't envy the world. And uh, I just have a question on each of my points. And do you envy the world? I think we can just ask ourselves a really frank question. Do I envy the world? And maybe even uh, more specifically, where do I envy the world? Where, where do I find myself envying the world? And, and for me, uh, it's, man, that last one, man, they just go on amassing wealth. Like, that's a huge part of my testimony that I, I want to do amass a wealth. I wanted to get a lot of money. And so for me, that's, that's where I find myself turning and envying the world. Man, they just, they're able to collect a lot of stuff. And man, I, I'd kind of like to do that. And yet the truth is, nope, that's temporary. I don't need that. I don't need to envy anything that the world has. Um, so don't envy the world. So he's going through this difficulty, this challenge. He's saying, man, I'm just struggling with this. I'm wrestling with this. God, have I, have I done all this in vain? Um, it seems like all day long I'm afflicted, and every morning brings new punishment into my life. And on top of that, he's a leader in the church, so expressing this is something that he has felt that he needs to kind of keep to himself as so as to not lead others astray. You know, for if we were to get up here and just preach a sermon about, yeah, I'm just really this week not feeling like following God and I'm just really questioning all of that. And so that's um, just kind of where I'm at. And that's maybe 
maybe where you're at this morning and, and that's okay and that's just where we're going to leave it at this week. That would maybe not be an awesome thing for us to do in the church. And so he is wrestling with these things in, inwardly. And it says in verse 16, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Have you ever been troubled deeply? Have you ever been wrestling in your mind with thoughts and, and difficulties? And, and maybe if, and you felt like you couldn't really voice it to, to someone else. It's just kind of between you and God. It's this inner turmoil that you're feeling. I feel like I have that a lot. <laughs> and he says, I, I tried. I tried to understand it. I really, I really tried. I, I thought about it all. I looked at all of the pieces of the puzzle, and I, I tried to put it all together that maybe, maybe I am wrong, or maybe I'm right, but I, I just couldn't understand it all. It just left me deeply troubled and left me at a worse place than I was to begin with. Until... Verse 17, I was deeply troubled until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Where did, when did Asaph have this revelation of the truth? It came when he entered the sanctuary of God, when he came into communion with God, when he came into teaching and worship. The church is so important. This, this, what we're doing here this morning, is so pivotal for us in the Christian walk. It's so important for us. Communion with God, your daily devotions with God, your personal times of prayer and, and seeking God, are that is the Christian life. That is so important for us. Because we can, we can try to understand all this and try to go, okay, I got all these questions, I'm just going to figure it out. And it's just going to leave us deeply troubled and and, and dealing with, still left with the same questions until we enter the sanctuary of God. And um, so something happened when he showed up there, when he showed up at the place of worship, um, that he heard somebody teaching about God. He heard somebody read, reading the scriptures that tell the truth of God. He heard somebody sharing a testimony about God's goodness. He heard songs being sung about the faithfulness of God and, and the goodness of who he is. Maybe he had somebody challenge him in, in give him a word of prophecy that when we gather together, when we go into the place where God is, we receive revelation. And so often we just think we're going to figure it out on our own. And um, God's calling us to figure it out together and figure it out with him to bring our, our, our questions. And so I think there's many of us here uh, this morning that are wrestling through questions and doubts. And uh, maybe in that first stage of trying to figure it out up in our mind, trying to figure out how this is all going to work. I'm trying to figure out how, um, why it is that, I don't seem to be getting what I think I should, or why it is that the, the world seems to have a great time, why it is that, how, how can I have both? How can I, how can I ride the line here? Maybe um, you're just trying to figure all those things out, and you're trying to understand, but really just left deeply troubled and confused this morning.
And so there is an invitation to us this morning to come to God with all of our questions, all of our doubts, all of our confusion, and let him bring the revelation into our life. Let him drop the truth into our heart where we can go, oh, now I totally understand. I completely understand. And again, the wisdom of, that the world has to offer, I think it's going to fall short. And so being cautious of where we're going for, for when we're having questions. Um, there are many smart people in the world. Not all of them are Christians. And I think that this is maybe just my opinion. I don't know. But I think that we should be cautious taking wisdom and advice from someone who doesn't have a relationship with God. Because... They definitely can lead us in, into some, some truth, but there is always going to be a coming up short of the complete truth that we receive from uh, worldly advisors. And so <clears throat> whatever your situation may be, whether you're trying to figure out your finances and your or you're trying to figure out your, your dating life, or you're trying to figure out your, your parenting, or you're trying to figure out a similar question to what we're pondering here this morning. Be cautious of where you get that answer from. Start here in God's sanctuary. I think there's a guarantee that you're going to receive the truth. So, question, the power, there's, I never said my point, but the power of a new perspective. There's a power of a new perspective when we are kind of lost in our questioning and our doubts that we need to come to God and he will give us a new perspective where we go, okay, I understand. I completely uh, understand this now. I see that the truth, the veil has been removed from my eyes. So there's a power of a new perspective. And the question for this point is, uh, do you understand or are you troubled? Is there something in your life that you are wrestling through right now? Um, and are you seeking God's understanding on it? Or are you just kind of trying to think about it in your mind and you're just left troubled? If you find yourself in that place, um, turn to God this morning. And so he says, surely, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground and you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when no one, when one awakes, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. And he sees the reality of the wicked, the reality of those who don't follow God is that in the snap of a finger or the blink of an eye, it's all over. And God's judgment rises up against those who have not lived according to his law. And they're, they're destroyed, they're taken away. They're cast down to ruin. Everything that they had is suddenly gone. And um, I always am a little bit sad when I see older people of, of status, older people of wealth. And you've got old ladies with plastic surgery and liposuction and old guys with sport cars, sports cars and, and sweet golf clubs and they're like limping around and everything. And you just go, man, that is just sad that your whole life was spent going after these things. And you have amassed wealth 
And here we are at the end of our life, end of your life, and you're kind of hobbling around, <laughs> and you look interesting, <laughs> and, and it's all over. You're quickly coming to ruin. And so our third point, our third point is that God is our portion. God is our portion. He goes on to say that, um, who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My, heart, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is my portion. And um, so being that Asaph was um, from the tribe of Levi, he was a Levite, when the Israelites came, out of the promise, came into the promised land and received the inheritance that God had uh, promised to them, the Levites... As the land was split up, the Levites did not get a portion of the land. So they did not get their, their portion of um, the thing that God had promised to the Israelites. It, but their portion was the Lord, it says in, in the Old Testament. And so they were devoted and dedicating to serving God in the temple. as They didn't have land to work like the rest of the Israelites had. Uh, that they would work their land and grow their crops and have their food and be able to sell um, their crops for um, a little bit of money to take care of their needs. The, the Levites didn't have any land. They were just given the temple um, and, and to take care of that and that God was their portion. So the tithes and the offerings that came off came into the temple were what the Levites lived off of. That was their portion. And so to say that God was the Levites' portion meant that he, he took care of their needs, like their physical needs. They lived off of the gifts that were given to God. And so when, when Asaph says this, as he's writing this, I can kind of just imagine him going, yeah, that's awesome. Like, we got God and everything, but you guys got some land. <laughs> like, you guys got stuff. We got nothing. I mean, we got God, but like, that's not like a physical thing, Right? And in the same way, we kind of can make that same statement here. That like, yeah, like I'm following Christ and it's just a blessing to know Jesus. But like, I don't have, I don't, I don't have what the world has. I don't seem to be getting that. And yet as he goes through this, goes through these questions and through these doubts, he gets to the end and he says, who do I have in heaven but you? God, it's, it's only you up there. I finally realized that there's, there's nothing else up there. There's nothing else in heaven to be deci- desired except for you, God. And on earth? Well, on earth, there's nothing I desire besides you. So I'm not just desiring to see you in eternity. I'm actually desiring to have you here on earth, that nothing else, no, one, no other person here on earth is to be desired. I desire only you. God, my heart and my flesh may fail, God, I'm going to grow old. I'm going to grow weak. I may have doubts. I may, I may fail. But God, you are the strength of my heart. And you are my portion forever. And so the portion of the wicked may be many things here on earth. The portion of the wicked may be many um, pleasures and fantasies here on the earth. But what's the rest of their portion? What's going to be the rest of their portion after, after in the blink of an eye, we're all, we're all gone? 
But God, you are my portion forever. And so what's your portion? God is our portion. That, that it's not just, oh, that's awesome, like I have God. But he, he is a portion. It, it's a promise that he's going to take care of you in your life. Just as with the Levites, they didn't have land to work, and yet God provided for their needs. And so in our life here, we have a promise that God is going to care for our needs. He's going to care for the physical needs that we have in this life. And he's going to be our portion forever. And so we're going to be in eternity with them, with him. So... The portion of the wicked may seem nice here on earth, but the portion that is to come for them is not something that we want, not something that we desire. And so he says, God, he's kind of saying, I, I desired some of that portion that they had, but I've seen that the portion you give to me, the portion that you give to your children is going to last forever, and it's so much better than anything I could ever have. It says in Proverbs fifteen sixteen, it is better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than to have treasure without him. And that's just, man, if we could just put that in our cars or wherever you would see it every day. Man, if I just, if I just have a little, because God's going to provide for me what I need. If I just had a little and I have the Lord, it's so much better than to have great treasure and not have him at all. And so what's your portion? What is, what is the portion that you are kind of after um, that's on your, on your heart right now? Is it the portion of the wicked or is it the portion that or is it or is God your portion is God the one that you are are desiring is, is there anything on earth that you desire but the Lord so what is your portion so the wisdom that he gives to us this morning is that there's nothing to be envied of anyone here in the world um, that he gives us a new perspective when we need it and that he is our portion both here and in eternity. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you um, for the challenge that it brings to us. And we just thank you that you, you meet us um, in our place of doubt. You meet us in our place of sin and um, you show us a new perspective, God. And there's power in the new perspective that you give to us. There's power in the truth that you bring into our life. And so, God, we just, we just, I just confess that there's been areas that I'm envious of the world, envious of the wicked. And we just repent of that this morning and we say, God, we don't want that. We want to look to you and we want to be satisfied in you, God. And... Um, would you just give us more revelation on what it means to have you as our portion, to have you as our inheritance? And that, that would just trump anything else we could ever see or have. That it would be so much better, God, that, that this Proverbs verse would be just going through our minds throughout this week, God, that to have the fear of the Lord and just a little is so much better than to have treasure without you, God. You are the greatest treasure we could ever have. And so we thank you for um, this wisdom that you put in your word for us to receive today.
And um, we just pray a blessing over your people as, as we all go from this place. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Thank you for the opportunity to be here in your sanctuary. And um, God, may we just live for you as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.